Hey everyone, uh, Sri Ram here uh, for the Fight Sites MMA podcast with my co-host Ed. Uh, we're here on a bit of an off week. Um, we just saw UFC 260, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou 2. So there's a little bit to talk about there. Uh, anything that isn't here will be on the Patreon commentaries, uh, which you should go check out. It's only $3 to see all of them. We commentated uh, Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. Um, Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley, and of course the main event, Miocic and Ngannou 2. Uh, so $3 to see any of that, $5 to get anything on this podcast, slash get um, content on the website that you might want. So go look at that. But for now, um, we have a pretty, regu- uh, a pretty regular podcast, that is. Um, we have some weird news with Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz, and Kevin Holland apparently getting in against Marvin Vittori. So a, a bizarrely eventful week for an ev- uh, for a week with no event. Uh, Ed, how are you? Um, well, on, on fight night, I tweeted that I wasn't depressed. No, the morning after, I tweeted that I wasn't depressed about Steve getting knocked out. And at the time, I thought that was true. But then I just rewatched the fight to prepare for this, and now I'm sad. So it's pretty depressing. <laughs> it's I'm depressed about that, and. I also am pretty sick of the UFC trying to force Kevin Holland on me. I need to cut that out. Get him out of my life. I don't. I don't want him. I'm on team. Uh, make the sport real. That's my mission right now. Is just you know. I think this should be a serious sport. We should. We should take it seriously. Let's make it real. Very uh, Kevin Holland is uh, you know, working against my agenda. So he is my enemy. I mean, I think you could argue that Marvin Vittori is exactly the opposite, and that he makes the sport entirely too serious with his. Um, Italian anger about virtually I, everything. I prefer that. <laughs> At least you know what? If he was like good, he I'd prefer hard. that. <laughs> He's but. better than uh, than I thought he would be. How about that? I suppose. <laughs> um, we should probably talk about the more interesting things first. So UFC 260, let's start with the fight that you just rewatched. Uh, Stipe Miocic lost the heavyweight belt to Francis Ngannou via second uh, round knockout. Pain. Lots of pain. So, uh, we noted a lot of changes in the commentary. Uh, Ed, what did you see that uh, was most significant to you? For, for Nganu, or for both of them overall, just about I the mean, fight? I mean, I would think Nganu made more changes, but you yeah. know, there were probably some physical things in the Stipe that didn't work out quite as well. Yeah, well, it looked like... Honestly, I'm not sure about that, because there, just, there wasn't that much to, to read into, honestly, with regard to Stipe. I thought he looked more old watching it live but also that's kind of that happens sometimes when you watch something on a bad stream um <laughs> true so watching it in the you know afterward where i can actually see things happening normally uh i don't know about that but he stipe seemed like he was pretty sure that nganu was gonna be aggressive and, and do some crazy shit again like he did in the first fight and, and you know give him opportunities for shots and uh do whatever and his uh in between rounds, I'll, I mean, I'll definitely get to what happened in the round, but in between rounds, Stipe's corner was saying, you know, be more explosive with your movements, you know, you got to uh, in and out a little bit more. But they weren't really stressing that he needed to do more. So I think the plan was to not do a lot and, and make uh, Francis anxious, which I think is actually not a terrible idea. You just need to throw some more consistent tools in the middle of those moments, and that was something he was having a really hard time with. Um and, and that's kind of where the, the changes with Ngannou start because he really didn't need to, to force those exchanges. And it was basically as simple as 
He's using a throwaway jab. He was measuring space a little bit with his jab. He could actually throw it when he wanted to. He was using a little quick rear straight as well. Just good, good, good fast, you know, small punches, you might call them. But uh, they were just, you know, pretty easy for him to throw. And they had they had heat on them. And uh, they were just, it was easy. And he was getting steep circling. And he was punting his leg on the circle. And it looked like he was kicking him real hard. And he, he was staying pretty consistent with that, with drawing out the movement with his jab and kicking Stipe on, on his exit. So, Ngannou was doing perfectly fine, um, not not pressuring and not throwing big and, and creating exchanges. And uh, it took a pretty non-committal entry for Stipe to be like, yep, this is my this is my way in for, for a takedown entry. He, uh, he threw a one-two. That's all he did. It wasn't a huge one-two. But he saw him plant his feet, and he said, okay, I'm going. Um, got a little uh, snatch single situation and uh, turned it and drove him to the cage. And... Uh, Already, you know, with the takedown defense, I honestly don't think his takedown defense was that bad the first time in the first and second rounds when he was not totally gassed. Um, He's doing a lot of nice things. Uh, Ryan actually put it really well. Ryan Wagner in the chat, he said, yeah, he had some ideas, but his feet were bad. So he didn't have the wrestling footwork. He didn't know what to do with his lower body too much, but he was always good at, like, attacking wrists and pulling people up the whizzer and... Uh, he, he fought for an underhook really well here during Stipe's shot, which is nice. And uh, he, he had the underhook and was trying to peel him back up. And then when they hit the cage and Stipe was uh, head inside, he, he pushed the head down. And he kind of pushed it toward the uh, the leg he was attacking, looking to like kick the leg out in the angle. And Stipe committed that, to I think, to that side. And that gave him a little bit of room to circle off the cage a bit. And once he had that space, he threw his hips back uh, and, and switched to a... Uh, more of like a body lock uh, type of takedown defense, and you can push against the hips and really bear your weight down and push your hips into them as you sprawl down. So uh, it was really, really nice stuff there. He used his weight really, really well. It wasn't anything fancy. It was just good fundamentals, and it was just building on things I already knew he could do. Uh, so that looked really nice, and then he, he kept circling <laughs> off that, and he hit a go-behind, which is really uh, basic wrestling. But again, uh, clearly he was working on everything, not just, you know, minimal work to accentuate like take down the defense game. and just separating yeah which i don't know that might not be the most efficient use of his time on the panel we talked about that it's like maybe maybe you don't try to teach him mma more right now like don't don't teach him don't have yeah. him drilling arm triangles before the fight which is something that was all in the embedded um what are you gonna say no i don't have anything to say disagreeing I mean, with me yeah yeah i'm, I'm smart uh, i agree <laughs> so that was good i, I definitely question the chasing the offense with his wrestling and just the fact that they were drilling arm triangles uh and embedded beforehand and jake shields like showing him how to finish an arm triangle so he didn't even know how um his hips were super (laughs) high up when he was trying to do it in the clip and jake shields had to tell him to sink his hips and like dude that's like a lot of white belts know how to do that but so that was weird but yeah he uh, he tried to double him after the go behind after he uh kicked out the, the back leg and pulled it wasn't a really nice mat return at all he's just huge um and i don't think steve was expecting it (laughs) And then he tried to double, and Stipe got under hooks and, and, and got out of there. But, uh, yeah, holistically, his wrestling seems to improve, have improved. But the most important thing is that his takedown defense improved. Uh, and, yeah, he uh, he definitely busted Stipe up on the reversal. And afterward, Stipe you know, continued to try to stay uh, to the outside. I think maybe before that happened was when Nganu went uh, high-low with the jab and then came over top with the, with the right hand. Was that yeah, before I think or after so. the takedown? It was pretty early, and it was the first indication that Nganu seemed to like yeah. try to fight this a little bit more measured. Yeah. 
he was doing a good job mixing up his levels on on his shots. He was throwing that that rear hand of the body real quick. It was snappy. He he leans forward a lot on it. It kind of leaves him out of position after he throws it, but he doesn't need to be in great position to put power into his left hook. And he he could tell he was looking for that too. That follow up like a uh, the Chandler Chandler hooker, knocked out knockout. He looked for that yeah. a little bit. Um, so yeah, just doing a lot of nice little things, nothing crazy, just really, really basic fundamental stuff, honestly, which he wasn't doing before, so <laughs> if he can have success fighting, like, a moron, and, like, having a couple nice moments, like, in the pocket, on the calendar, imagine what you can do just doing normal stuff. Uh, I know, uh, Luca, Luca Bordon, uh, our, our French staff member who loves kickboxing and MMA and boxing, and he's always calling MMA fighters bums that don't, don't know how to strike. And he said, just do normal, simple stuff. <laughs> Jab and low kick. There were one, two. There are two, three, kick. Like, just really normal stuff. Like, it'll get you really far. And uh, Nganu took that advice. The second round, I thought, was actually pretty encouraging for a little bit from Stipe. He was, he was still keeping to the outside, but he was throwing a little bit more in the lead. He had a nice up jab. And uh, he was getting Ngannou to overcommit a little bit uh, to try to, like, he threw the, the level-changing uh, jab overhand, and he, Stipe just got out of range. So he was making him miss a little bit, still getting his legs kicked. And I think Stipe uh, got a little more, uh, got, felt a little more pressure to lead, and he was trying to come in behind his jab. And Ngannou was doing a really good job with his check hook, actually. The, the hook that knocked him out, he hit that within 30 seconds in the beginning of the second round. Uh, so Stipe was already kind of freaked out by that, and he was backing off more, I think, because of it. And that's when Ghani did the uh, the shifting straight into, I mean, basically a jab, uh, but, you know, stepped through it and like, lanced him and dropped him. Yeah, it was kind and, of hooky, but... Yeah. It, just the fact that it was shifting kind of changes what the strike is, but yeah. it was his lead hand, and it was, it was jabby. Uh, <laughs> it was super long and, and super powerful and, uh, and snappy, and he put him down with that, and then uh, Stipe... He's trying to survive in the back foot, got uppercut off the clinch. I'm giving play-by-play of the whole fight right now because I just watched it. Um, but I'm making up for our commentary performance because my stream died and oh, I yeah, missed half the fight. Actually a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Steve tried to actually hit a good counter on the, on the back foot while he was uh, trying to escape in Ghanu's flurry and that, that froze in Ghanu for a second. And Steve is like, oh, I will take back this exchange and, and lengthen it and come back in. And he ran right into the check hook, and uh, he died. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I can't possibly add anything else. Um, I yeah, think that was everything. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much everything. I think one parallel that's always been drawn with Ngannou is uh, the flyweight champion Davison Figueredo, just because there are like some parallels with a uh, a big power punching pressure who prefers to be on the counter. Uh, and I think the body. Well, one thing that we've always said is that Figueredo is kind of a better version. Uh, because he's A, a lot better on the counter, and B, more willing to kind of make up that cardio ground, which is one thing that's kind of encouraging with Nganu is he's getting better on the lead, but he's also getting better at, uh, for instance, punching the body to keep guys off his hips, which is one thing that probably kept Stipe from shooting reactively as much as he might have wanted to. Um, and B, uh, his counter punching has, I think, improved more than a little bit. One thing about Nganu's counters has always been that it's always been difficult to separate how good he was on the counter actually from how bad his opponents were at not getting countered um both Stipe Miocic and Derek Lewis did different things to not be open on the counter for Derek Lewis was just being far away at all times and throwing long kicks uh for Stipe it was actually having some defense 
uh, and drawing him out with feints. But either way, um, Ngannou's counterpunching looked like a non-issue in both of those fights. Here he had that check hook, to, uh, that check hook as you mentioned, uh, several times in the fight. Um, he was able to actually draw out his opponent's reactions to punish them. Uh, and being able to actually lead is a pretty decent change. I mean, I noticed that throwaway strike right away just because it was such a big change from what Ngannou normally does, even as just a one-off, okay, I'm just going to put this out there to keep it in his face. It's just not something that Ngannou tends to do. And to build off of the shift uh, that led to the win is a pretty huge leap. Um, I'm not really sure who challenges him at heavyweight at this point. Uh, I'd actually be kind of interested to see an alternate universe in which Stipe lands that big straight and sits back because I'm kind of interested to see if Ngannou's gotten over that little mental block that he had after uh, Stipe where guys just, you know, they stopped giving him hard fights so we have stopped having to see whether he could deal with a hard fight. But, um, you know, Stipe landed that, sat back and made Ngannou try to come in again. How would that have gone? Uh, instead of just mm -hmm. throwing himself into another check hook. But, I mean, that's kind of just... Uh, splitting hairs at this point when yeah. heavyweights aren't going to sit back as much as Stipe generally does. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, a, a Derek Lewis could kind of be a, a rough match in terms of power, but also, at this point, a pretty uh, tough matchup for him in terms of finesse, as funny as that is to say. So, yeah, I mean, Nganu seems like a decent guy to be on top of the division for at least a couple fights. Yeah, the, I, I don't know about a Derek Lewis matchup actually being that hard for him because now he actually has consistent offense he feels comfortable using on the outside yeah. without you know trying to bomb people in the pocket. <laughs> so, I, I mean, Derek Lewis has talent for winning, for winning fights and has a lot of good attributes. Like, he, he definitely has stuff um, and ways that he wins, but he, he's pretty terrible at dealing with just, like, normal things that you throw at him. Like, his defense is not good. <laughs> so, I think, um, especially with kicking... Um, I think Ngannou could probably jab low kick him a decent amount and uh, shake him down even. I, he might be able to take him down. Um, I don't think he'd be able to control him, but it would be it would be interesting. And you know maybe he gasses and maybe it's an interesting fight. Um, I, I I'm fine with seeing it because at this point I'm just comfortable with Ngannou being someone that I don't mind winning because he's actually made improvements and. Perhaps he was making those improvements this entire time. I don't think it was totally demonstrated. I think there was a couple things you might be able to point to. Uh, just, you know, that he was low-kicking more, or, you know, that his uh, his footwork as a wrestler was improving a little bit after he rocked Curtis Blades. He showed some good instincts. I think Ben pointed that out on the panel. Um, so maybe he was improving this whole time, but just was having these frantic, crazy moments that happened anyway and couldn't really show it off because uh, he, he just got scared out of being disciplined and knocked people out um, <laughs> but i think this is a, a very a very good performance by him uh still concerning that he you know took a lot of time where he wasn't really able to do much because he has to pace himself but th i mean who else really in this division can make that can make him pay for that <laughs> it just I mean, doesn't seem like this many yeah, uh, so like john jones might be could, interesting uh, well, yeah zero yeah. gone uh that that that'll be if, if we get that, hopefully we do. That's really good. Um, I think the John Jones fight, honestly, is kind of interesting just because Jones does pressure hard without leading with his hands. Um, you know, good clinch, a decent clinch fighter. I don't think he's quite good anymore. Um, decent clinch fighter, you know, good, you know, volume kicking game. So, I don't know. I think he might be able to get something done there. Uh, I don't think he's scared to fight in Ghana. I just don't think he thinks it's worth it. 
and is just gonna take the <laughs> take some some weird way out of it. Uh, some think, other think, like heavy way. Yeah, I think if they actually met his crazy demands, he probably would. He probably would fight in Gondo. I don't think he's opposed to it. But yeah, Gon's interesting. Derek Lewis, I think, is a little less <laughs> interesting. Um, Volkov? Uh, I think Volkov might be a little bit too vulnerable defensively, but there's like definitely yeah. room for someone who throws a ton of volume to be tough if he survives. Um, he's just, you know, like, it's the same kind of way that Ngannou kind of beats Deep A is Volkov can, like, do a couple of basic things to a decent level of competency and it makes heavyweights not like him at all. Um, mm-hmm. Jones, I think it's kind of rough for him now that Ngannou's shown, like, some tricks to cover distance. Uh, you know, that shift. And, um, like, in general, Ngannou's been dangerous to, uh, to stand at range with. Like, even with the, uh, the uh, Rosenstroik finish, I'm not sure, like, Jones probably would be able to get away from that. But also, framing and leaving isn't generally a great way to deal with Ngannou when you're at length parity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. if Ngannou continues to develop in terms of, you know, being able to lead and close guys down... Jones already is working with a pretty short margin, and you know, shifting offense, that kind of thing, would be a, a really tough fight for him to deal with if he can't just take a guy down uh, when uh, he's really declined wrestling-wise and facing a tougher physical matchup in that sense than anyone in his career. I'd pick Ngannou. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't mind seeing it. So, heavyweight sure. is... Uh honestly a more comfortable division for me now just because I was always scared of Stipe losing uh even you know even after he had already lost to people I was like just don't don't like seeing him get hurt really yeah. like him um which is why I want him to retire he made a big Instagram post that was pretty funny um but it, it didn't sound like he's gonna retire and he he McGregored himself a little bit where he you know justified he's like I was winning until I lost or I was like about to start winning and maybe he was, but it was going so poorly before that. Like, I don't think that's a reliable game plan is, you know, make him attack me and, and try to survive <laughs> it and then come on later when he's tired. Like, that's just, you can't do that. So I think things were going pretty poorly for him, and clearly he was having a hard time adjusting his, his leads and the things he likes to do when he figured out that Ngannou had counters for everything because we talked about in the panel, like, what kind of adjuster Stipe is. Um not necessarily a, a smart one, but one who knows, okay, here is something I know I can definitely do if things aren't going well, which is become more aggressive and, you know, try to swarm people and, and, you know, smother them. And that's what got him knocked out. So, yeah, that uh, makes sense. You know, what, what's going to come more naturally to him than that? Like, you have to have a whole other game plan, which, you know, the, the, obviously the opposite of doing that is what he was trying to do. So he's kind of tried both ways already, and it would just take a lot of big improvements from him to, to do that same fight but better and I just don't think that it's at that point in his career anymore where he's going to be getting better and now he's been knocked out pretty bad a couple times and he's taken a lot of shots and even though I didn't think he necessarily looked older than his last few fights in this fight it's just it's not going to get any better and he was older like by definitions so. <laughs> yeah he, he didn't look it <laughs> he looked handsome uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's going to have to fight Ngannou again. And, and, or another, you know, not scary heavyweight technically, but scary heavyweight because they, they all hit hard. There's no really easy fight um, within the, those top people. Like, he can fight Blaze, but Blaze hits really hard too. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's some, I think someone like Volkov would be about as easy as it gets for Stipe at this point, but also not super easy. But he yeah. uh, he screwed up Overeem with the low kick right away in the air flight, and like Stipe yeah. hasn't hasn't been checking him too much, and you know there, there's main potential there of of some crazy finish that seems low percentage. Where I mean, Volkov clearly hurts people. Yeah, with he's his sitting strikes. on stuff a little bit more now. Yeah, he's gotten heavier too. Yeah. So I just don't I don't like it. Um, I mean, if you're like the fleet-footed, you know, more athletic heavyweight, uh, where you, you know you have mobility and you, you try to be good, um, I think age is going to be very unkind to you, and uh, his adjustment game is just too durability reliant, and we can't really trust it anymore. Yeah. So I think he should be done. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him retire, but also there are matchups out there that I think, like, I think he'd stick around the top ten. For a, a little bit, even in this state, like where's um, there are guys who are a lot more wrestleable than Ngannou if all else fails. Uh, someone like, as I mentioned, Volkov is a lot easier to pressure and a lot easier to just ground uh, than someone like Ngannou is at this stage in his career. Uh, Cyril Gan is just pretty much completely untested as a wrestler uh, from what we've seen. So I think there are matchups where Stipe can look good. It's just tough to see him getting back to the belt uh, with Ngannou in front of him. And I mean, at this point, Stipe is pretty much secure as the best UFC heavyweight there's ever been. So, it's, uh, it's a tough spot. Yeah. Rough. Um, Vicente Luque did, well... Made our dreams come true. He won, and we thought he would win, and we thought he would finish Woodley. But, I think we were kind of counting on Woodley to do the fence thing. Yeah. And he did another thing. Um, that he used to do, which was come forward a lot and throw big right hands, which uh, that that's what won him the title, if you recall. It, it was. Uh, I think it's something that I... So Woodley tried to do some other things in this fight. He tried to counter in combinations with the left hook. The left hook didn't really land, but, you know, it's, it's the effort that counts. Uh, he tried to play that wide right off the uppercut, which is a decent play, uh, considering that, you know, the wide right, the, the answer to it from even Kamaru Usman was to get behind his shoulder or uh, to duck down. Uh, and either way, for someone like Vicente Luca, who uses the high guard, it's going to widen it so that they can catch it. And uh, all of that's punished by the rear uppercut, which makes it a, a pretty convincing double attack since both are like... Uh, they don't look exactly the same, but they look close enough that guys are going to react to one and screw up. Uh, but that's also something that he probably should have gotten better at before he became kind of fragile and definitely a little bit arthritic. So at this point, it's tough to see any improvements really taking. But it was, it was a courageous effort from Woodley, uh, something that I would have liked to see in like the Covington fight when he was starting to get drowned in the clinch a bit. Uh, Luque, it's, it's kind of tough because Luque is also a lot more capable on the counter uh, than that version of Usman, uh, Colby Covington, and maybe even Gilbert Burns. Uh, he's a really sharp counterpuncher. We saw him uh, take away the blitz. Of, or not the blitz, take away the forward motion of Woodley with that big right-hand counter, uh, and it's just generally tough to blitz him when he has that left hook uh, pretty much ready most of the time. So it's it's pretty unfortunate, but also uh, I've never really been invested in Woodley as an elite fighter, uh, so you know it's it's sadder from like a narrative sense than it is from I don't get to see this cool fighter anymore. So uh, yeah, he should he's probably gone from the UFC. I believe this was his last fight on the contract, which makes it a really, really, really tough spot to negotiate from. Um, but, you know, this version of Woodley probably still causes some scares to some okay fighters. 
I'm not sure if I'd say he'd beat them consistently, but he'd cause some scares. So. Yeah, I concur. I concur with all that. And we actually, we did a better job on the commentary for this one as my yeah. video didn't mess up. Um, so that's good. If you remember, I mean, Luke is not a slow starter or a bad starter, but you can kind of shock him and overwhelm him early before he can figure out what, what he is going to be countering. Yep. Uh, like Derek Krantz came out and bombed him really quick in their fight. Yeah, Woodley tried that same thing, but uh, Luke was right behind his shoulder early, which is kind of the, the trouble with uh, having such a defined singular threat. Um, even a slow starter can just be like, okay, I should just watch for this one thing while I get warmed up. So it's tough. Um, I think Luke is not necessarily an elite presence, but there are winnable fights for him uh, high, I don't know, higher up the ranks. I don't know where Woodley actually sits. So, you know, he was like number seven going in, but he probably wasn't actually top 15 in like any real terms. So I don't know. I think it's... Luke should fight Colby Covington. That's a good fight. I think that's probably the highest. I mean, that he's he's ranked number one. Yeah. That's the highest ranked person he could be. Uh, I like that better for him than Burns, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'd fight Burns because they're both hoof. Uh, they're both hoof teams. Oh yeah. But uh, Covington would be kind of interesting because I'm not sure how much we've seen Luke get uh, deal with that kind of pressure wrestling attack. We know he has the front headlock from this fight as well, but you know from other fights. Uh, it's a threat that, uh, that's that been present for most of his career. And being such a defined power counterpuncher, uh, Covington's the kind who's going to throw himself into that. So yeah. it's uh, it's an interesting matchup because Covington's generally been thought to be, you know, of a higher tier than Luke, who's kind of been stuck fighting um, relatively tough matchups in his steps up. He knocked out Bilal Muhammad and then fought Leon Edwards right afterwards. Uh, he went on a streak and then fought Wonderboy, who was a really, like, every as much as we wanted Wonderboy to lose that sometimes, uh, it was pretty clearly a tough matchup for Luke, a high guardy forward mover against someone who, yeah. like, deals with that exclusively. So, it's just, it's been rough for Luke to make his mark, and I'm still not completely sure that he has because of, you know, where Woodley is. But Covington would be a better matchup than both um, Edwards and Wonderboy would be, I think. I'm not saying that he'd necessarily win, but it'd be a, a matchup where he gets more chances to look good. Yep. I, I think the whole, you know, Colby needing to volume you to, to pressure you thing would work out really poorly for him against Luke. And, yeah. uh, you know, taking sloppy shots would also be uh, pretty terrible for him because of the front headlock game. So I'd be interested in seeing it because I think Colby could lose it and he needs to fight someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean O'Malley looked, looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, you kind of have to temper it with the, the with opponent. With Almeida not really giving him that much to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we were live. I think we kind of overplayed how much the fight was turning because um, it kind of wasn't, considering that Almeida got a little bit of work done in the second, but it wasn't like any sort of... It didn't feel like a fight O'Malley would lose after that first-round flurry. Um, it's just... Almeida is a little bit too fragile to fight his fight, and I'm not completely sure what his fight is after that layoff. Um, you know, losses to Rivera and Font aren't bad, but a loss to Jonathan Martinez and Ashan O'Malley is a little bit more damning. So, I don't know. I mean, O'Malley, it's one good thing that he was able to start drawing out the low kicks, which is one thing that uh, you noted live at. Uh, he was able to... Um, faint in and draw out the low kick and just hop back so that Almeida wouldn't keep throwing them. Uh, in the pocket, Almeida didn't really get too many of his entries. He was able to weave in a couple of times, but it wasn't really anything that um, that turned into anything meaningful. 
Uh, for the most part, it was just O'Malley's usual volume kicking game on the outside and sting him on the entries. Uh, one of those led to the finish where he like threw a linear kick, angled off at the southpaw, and cracked him with the left. Uh, and then Almeida just rolled very slowly. He was pretty much done at that point. The kill shot was just mean. So that's about it. Uh, I don't really know who he fights at this point. They're probably going to give him someone he can just shock with speed. So uh, Marlon Moraes, Rafael Asuncao. Um, someone he probably beat at this stage in his career who's probably a better name than they are a fighter at this point. But hmm. It'd be funny if they made him fight Cheeto, though, wouldn't it be? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> they should make him fight uh, Pedro Munoz. I will campaign for this forever. Uh, Kyler Phillips is ranked 14th. Did you know that? I did not. He, he's the one who beat the Song Yadong, right? He, yeah. He, he beat Song Yadong, and before that he beat... Cameron, else, Elsie, else, and uh, that's he cool. Beat, uh, I think Eric Silva's little brother. For that, and those were his two previous UFC fights. So Bantamweight's weird. He won those two fights over unranked guys, and he beat Song Yudong. It was Song Yudong unranked. Uh, I think after well, no, he no, beat he Chido, was probably so, yeah. ranked. Yeah, he was over Cheeto and uh, Perez and. He had a bunch of wins in a row. He, he was probably ranked. Okay. So they re- they take that shit really seriously, where it's just like, if you beat someone who's ranked, ta-da, <laughs> you're ranked now. But if you beat a bunch of people who are unranked but are good, it doesn't matter. You have to beat someone in the rankings. Who will never give you a fight if it's a weight class like Walter White. That's um, goofy. But yeah, it's... O'Malley should fight, uh, well, I think, um, I think Barcelos called him out. Yeah, but that's kind of beneath Barcelos, you know, I think he would win. Yeah. I mean, I think someone, there are a bunch of tough matchups for O'Malley just, you know, philosophically, where someone who's very distancy and has a noted cardio liability in high-paced fights where he doesn't dictate all the exchanges. Someone like Ricky Simone or uh, Marab would be someone who's kind of tricky to deal with just in terms of, you know, output and being able to hold off a guy who's just impossible to hold off. Um, I mean, we have seen Simone lose to someone who's not the best in terms of takedown defense, but at least Rob Font is, like, uh, consistent in terms of output throughout a fight, where that's something that we've yet to see from O'Malley in a tough fight. So, I don't know. I mean, I think there there are a bunch of hard fights that they could give O'Malley, but also there are easier fights that are higher up the rankings. Like, Marlon Moraes is still ranked number six, which is kind of silly. Um, But, you know, if they give him that fight, which doesn't seem super unlikely since Moraes is on... Okay, well, he's only lost two in a row, but the Aldo showing wasn't great, so they, they're probably going to treat it like it's four in a row. Um, then O'Malley's like a, a kind of sensible opponent for him, just not, you know, O'Malley fighting number six doesn't make sense. Uh, Jose Aldo's number five, and we've seen him struggle with, like, just these long straight punchers. Uh, I don't know. Like, there, there are fights where O'Malley gets to look good. It's just that I don't think he's a consistent top ten-ish presence, if that makes sense. Yep. I agree that uh, Marais is probably the smartest thing they could do if yeah. they were trying to build him up. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess whatever gets him to tougher matchups the soonest, and I, I would be kind of annoyed like having him poke around slowly up the rankings and like the hype building and building and building. Um, I, I don't want that. I just want it to happen. Yeah. I just want to see him against really good fighters, uh, and, yeah, I just want to see what happens. I like I like some things that he does. I don't think he's elite necessarily, but I think he's a a pretty interesting, cool fighter, and he's very athletic. And if he was just, if I never heard him speak, I'd probably be a, a decently big fan. But 
I have heard him speak, so it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a wash. I can't do it. I mean, I think one weird thing that we've seen from people who watch Sean O'Malley is, like, he's a completely new striker, which is kind of the, the opposite of what I've seen, just because, like, he's pretty much feeds exactly into the MMA meta, uh, which is, you know, be very big, throw a lot, uh, and punish guys for closing you down haphazardly. It's, like, it's a formula we've seen several times in MMA, and he's not really doing it especially well. Um, I think Jimmy Rivera might be a matchup they make. Um, it's about where they want... Uh, him to be in the rankings, I think. Uh, Rivera's probably, like, both Rivera and Munoz are probably top five-ish. Uh, it's just kind of a bunch of fat there that hasn't been trimmed. Uh, so, you know, if Who's he wins fat? that fight... What's that? Who's fat? Uh, Cody Garbrandt. I just <laughs> want to insult him in every way possible. Um, there's, uh, I mean, both of those guys are very, very good, and Jimmy Rivera in particular might be the most underranked fighter in the sport, so... That would be a tricky fight to give Sean O'Malley, but there's also some style considerations with uh, Rivera being mostly a pocket boxer and O'Malley being the kind to just avoid that at all costs. Mm -hmm. So it'd be kind. I think they'd expect something to happen like what happened with Sterling Rivera, where Sterling was able to just kind of plan all the way out, all the way in game, but with O'Malley not the being able to do offensive grappling threat, I think there's a lot different. Yeah, it'd be he doesn't have the all the way in, so if. Uh, he actually tries to make exchanges happen, or Rivera's able to pressure and kick with him, which Rivera's a decent low kicker. He uh, kicked the crap out of Faber, so that's a threat. But uh, it, it's a fight that I think is about where they want O'Malley to go next. But someone like Barcelos, I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, we'll see. I guess I'm interested. I guess I'm in. Uh... Things that happen on this card worth speaking about. I think there might be something going on with a uh, a Bubakar Nurmagomedov that he's kind of a decent striker. Did you notice that? Uh, I mean, was his he, opponent was he like was, that before? <laughs> I think the only fight he had before this was like really short, and he got triangle choked by David Zavada, so it's tough to say. Uh -huh. But also, his opponent here wasn't very good. He got uh, beaten up by Alan Joban, and Joban's been looking uh, not the best lately. Um, he's, you know, generally kind of fragile and uncomfortable to watch. So uh, Hold on. So, pretend I didn't say good. <laughs> Striker, just, you know, better than, than I thought. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have expectations for him, because, as I said, we hadn't really seen him before. Uh, You're he, no fun. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think he, like, jabbed him a bit. He, like, counterpunched him a bit. I don't know. Jared Gooden was doing was just... basic stuff. He was jabbing yeah. and kicking, and it was, it was, it was nice. It was, it was fine. You know, it's refreshing to see people just doing normal things fairly well at the right times. Like That's, that's true. Yeah. Can't expect too much more. Yeah, He's a I welterweight, mean... so it's not like a... It's not like that's going to take him to the championship, but... Yeah, we don't have to be can... automatically pessimistic. Could do some stuff. Away. That's true. <laughs> um... That's kind of all I wanted to talk about. On yeah, that card. I mean, there's a tiny Polish man getting a win finally. But did he, though? I mean, I don't know. I think they scored it for him, but I also wasn't really paying attention. I didn't score it at all, yeah. but it seemed like everyone thought that was wrong. Uh, did they? All right. But everyone is usually wrong, so I don't know if that makes me automatically believe that he did win or not. I have no idea. I mean, I just like him more, so whatever. Um... Yeah, that's about this card. It was the top three, and then everything else was just kind of bad. The UFC's actually gone to the effort of putting together a, a truly great card. 
uh, with UFC 262 in May, I believe. Um, but until then, it's kind of filler. I don't know if there's anything on 261 either. So. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Sure, um, What's up? There is an MMA event this weekend. There's two MMA events this weekend worth caring about. That's Are you here about them? Yeah, I am. The first one is the Brave card. Oh, yeah, Zach. Yeah, we have a staff member fighting in a championship tournament. What? It's true, Rom. Just kidding. Uh-huh. It's Zach Makovsky. He's fighting in the Brave uh, flyweight tournament. He actually already beat his opponent. Um, it was his last fight, in fact, in uh, January 2020. <laughs> uh, he beat uh, Veli Murad uh, And I watched the fight. And it was hard. It was a hard fight. I mean, it wasn't. It was a split decision, but it shouldn't have been. I thought Zach won pretty clearly, but uh, the guy was just difficult to get offense off on, and he was making Zach's game plan kind of tough. And you know how Zach fights pretty much the same way. Yeah, I mean, every I've, time. Yeah, I've seen him. He's you know uh, since like his days in the UFC. He's not. He's the uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a. Outside jabby and kicky, he likes to draw yeah, people walks guys into right takedowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, reactive shots. That's one thing he's super shots. good at. Yeah, so same stuff. But, you know, he's, uh, he's dealing with some injuries, so it's, it's harder for him to be as athletic yeah, as he wants to is. be. Higher to, harder to, like, kick above the waist, things like that, that I'm not sure if I was supposed to share. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just generally flyweights are going to have to deal with that kind of thing sooner or later. So Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So, he's going to fight that guy again as part of the tournament. This is actually his quarterfinal, I believe. So, they gave him a bye in the first round because he was supposed to start the tournament like months ago. Yeah, I think and his that was opponent canceled. pulled out or didn't make weight. Or, so, they're just calling it a win. And uh, they're calling it a no show and they're just putting him ahead. Win via so, panic. Yeah. So, there's that. that that's good. Um, and then the other side of the tournament. Well, I don't know all the different fights in the tournament. I think their last event, I think Brave 49, actually. Uh, I'm really well prepared. I'm going to look it up right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I think they did the other two quarterfinals already. They did them last week. Yeah. So Jose Torres beat his guy. I don't know if his guy was the guy he was supposed to fight, but he beat him. Um, I think... uh, it's a uh, it's a northeast guy from uh, like Cage Fury or one of the whatever. Yeah, Blaine you know, O'Driscoll kick. looks like. That's not who it was supposed to be though. It was supposed to be some Italian kid, uh, uh, Italian American, but I don't remember him because uh, I'm racist or something. Martin Vittori. I'm 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 spinning here, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Torres won his fight. So Torres is in one is in I think the other semifinal, perhaps I'm not sure, but. The other quarterfinal on this card is Dustin Ortiz is fighting. It doesn't matter who he's fighting. Dustin Ortiz is the yeah, inside. Exciting. Yeah, so... Oh, he's fighting Ali Bagatinov, actually. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so it's like the three, at least three flyweights that you'll recognize from the UFC runs. Uh, really hoping Zach wins the tournament. I don't expect him to lose to this guy again. Just uh, Not again. He never lost him in the first place. I don't <laughs> expect for him to lose to this guy just because... He didn't really have anything for him. It was hard for Zach to get offense going, but he didn't really do anything to Zach. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He said it was a good training camp, so I'm looking forward to that. And afterward, 
if he feels like it, we, we can interview him about it and talk about it, maybe. Yeah, even. I mean, there are tougher guys further down the bracket with uh, Ortiz and Bagotinov, but I don't... Yeah. I think uh, I think it'll go well, and he he wants that one back against Ortiz because uh, that, was, that was a close decision that he yeah. lost. So there's that card, and then there's also Bellator 255, which has some has some stuff on it. So the main event is Patricio Pitbull versus uh, Emmanuel Sanchez. This is actually the second time that they fought, I, and I've seen the first fight. Have you seen their fight? Uh, I don't believe I have. I haven't watched Patricio Pitbull as much as I. I mean, I've seen enough to know that he's really good. But mm-hmm. um, not enough to give really strong opinions on him. Yeah, it was a good fight, and you know that you know the pitbull's a counterpuncher, right? Yeah, I I know enough about the good pitbull. Yeah, yeah, he, he does the karate suhudo thing, yeah. um, but is kind of better at it, and is a good counterpuncher, good with his rear hand, good wrestler, good grappler, good all around, a lot of power, and uh, he's on a pretty nice win streak right now. Technically, his last real loss was against Daniel Strauss in 2015, so he's on like a six-year unbeaten streak because yeah. he uh, has a leg injury versus uh, Ben Henderson. But he beat uh, Henry Corrales, is decent. He he submitted Strauss. He uh, had a really close fight with Daniel Weichel. Um He also knocked out Daniel Weichel. He had the fight with Emmanuel Sanchez. He knocked out Chandler. Chandler. He uh, beat Archuleta, and he knocked out uh, Pedro Carvalho for the, the tournament. So this is the... Um, Semifinals, semifinals, I think, for the yeah, I think it featherweight is. tournament. So his last one was the quarterfinal, so yes. Yeah, both looking at his Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Emmanuel Sanchez is on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, his last loss was the fight with uh, Pitbull. Uh, then he beat Georgie Carhanian, who is sometimes decent. Uh, he, he submitted Tywin Claxton, who was a, a pretty solid prospect. He was a D1 wrestler for Ohio, uh, not Ohio State, Ohio University. And he beat Daniel Weichel. So Sanchez is pretty good. Uh and he actually gave Pitbull a pretty decent fight because he is a really outside kicky guy. Uh, he's a Rufus sport, but he's actually... I, I don't mind him <laughs> as much as I mind other Rufus sport guys. Uh, he uses lead leg a lot for, for his kicking and just has nice little uh, combinations that he uses on the outside. And he's got a good guard, a good offensive guard. And uh, yeah, I just think he's a decent fighter and good cardio. And uh, he's like a uh, he's like a Carlos Condit type, but maybe a little bit more uh, solid. Maybe not quite as dangerous in the ways that Condit was dangerous, or quite as physical in those ways, but a little more solid with his skills in, in certain respects, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I haven't seen the first fight, but I'll probably take a look soonish. Um, I think it's like hard to rewatch because the camera was ridiculously bad. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, there, there was like, something was weird going on with the camera. I remember like getting dizzy. Watching that well, fight. Production value is why we watch Bellator. Um, also on this card, I'm taking a look at it now. Uh, I think this is Mohamed Burkamov's Bellator debut. Uh, he was uh, ACA. He was a very good welterweight in ACA. Uh, Southpaw counterpuncher, I believe. Uh, did some cool stuff there. So that's worth watching. I don't know anything about his opponent, Herman Tirado. Um, he's, he's had some Bellator fights. I've seen him against people. He's, uh, he's really jacked. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, there's at least one uh, highlight of Burkamoff knocking out someone way shorter with that left hand, uh, where they like dipped in with a body shot and he just killed them for it. So you know he's very good. Uh, he was one of those guys who in ACA we were like he would beat Tyron Woodley, which <laughs> in retrospect doesn't mean all that much, but it's still pretty cool because you know it means that you can probably take a shot and also fight decently. So that's worth yeah, watching. There's a decent amount of like maybe not like fights that are interesting, but just guys who are interesting. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov uh, is the lightweight 
<laughs> one of the cousins, not uh, not Umar, who's in the UFC, but people have said that he might be the best one. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Omar, honestly, but he's a little bit better of a boxer, which is helpful. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I think he's pretty solid. He has, he has a fun kicking game and obviously a good wrestler and grappler. So, he's on the main card. And um, Magomed Magomedov, the, the man to, who is the only man who's actually beat Peter Yan, <laughs> even that one was dubious. Suspect, but... uh, he has a second Bellator fight. He beat... Uh, uh, Matthews Matos, that's who he beat um, in their first fight and slammed him all over the place and rode him and didn't do much offense but looked good with his wrestling looked like he had uh, picked up some athleticism for sure uh, hint hint and he's fighting CJ Hamilton who's actually decent he's in the contender series I think and one other thing to look at is that, uh, well two things actually I think this is another maybe M1 or ACA guy uh, Khalid uh, Murtaz oh Aliyah? yeah, that guy was in the UFC. He was the one who. Um, he was. Yeah, he, he he was the only reason anyone knows him is because uh, Herb Dean let him murder CB Dalloway for like three oh. whole minutes. And then uh, they cut him. I think it was a drug thing. Uh, the result wasn't overturned, at least. So it must have been out of competition. Yeah, it was something. I I don't think they just cut him off a win, but I remember there being some sort of weird drug thing. Also, I named the other two. Well, actually, he was an M1 at one point, but his main thing was Fight Nights Global, which is the, the third um, promotion yeah. <laughs> of Russia that I didn't name. <laughs> but I missed that one. But the other, other one I wanted you to look at was uh, Roger Huerta, who obviously is old and yeah. not so great now. He's fighting Chris Gonzalez, and there's two reasons you should know Chris Gonzalez. One is that he made a world team in nice. Greco-Roman for the USA, so he, uh, he's a high-level wrestler. And the other reason you should know him is because he's dating Jesse Jess. Oh, that's very important. More impressive, I think, than... Because you wanted to get beat up? <laughs> than, a, than a Greco world team. No, no, I support the relationship. I'm not, I'm not jealous. It's fine. But, yeah, I just looked it up. Mertazali of uh, pop for Drust Standalone. So, suspended for two years, and I take it he was cut after that. So, that happened on February 22nd, 2019. Rude. So they just let him... Let him do it. I mean, it'd be better if everyone got to take steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that card is happening. Not next week. Well, yes, next week. Next weekend, not this upcoming weekend. Uh, there are some good fights that we'll talk about. And we're also going to talk about the evolution of the, the grappling meta and the wrestling meta in MMA, which is going to be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Ryan Wagner's going to do that again. Yeah, the first time it was lost to the void. So we got to redo it. But I think uh, not squeezing it into a, a big podcast that's going to have a lot of other important topics like we did the first time should leave us a little more room to take it uh, a little more slowly because uh, we, we just jumped right into it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> but, I mean, it still turned out pretty well, so hopefully we can recreate that to an extent. What's uh what's some other stuff that's happening? We talked about, you know, Leon's fighting Nate Diaz, it's gonna be silly. Yeah, there's not um, a ton to say about that. The booking's surprising, but Patty Plimblet Pimblet? Pimblet. Platty? Uh, <laughs> 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 he uh he got signed to the UFC after his last Cage Warriors fight and he's already doing the UFC tradition of promoting himself via racism. Um, he's just uh uh, Garam Katate Ladze, I think, called him out. Yeah, he did. And, which is weird, because isn't Garam a, a lightweight? I think so. He just beat Matthews Gamrock, so yeah. 
don't know. Maybe he's actually, maybe one of them is actually a, I, I don't know. I don't care enough to, to figure it out, but I think he called him out, and then Patty started beefing with him, and then he was beefing with people in the replies, and he apparently went on, like, a full thread tirade against that one John Jones fan, and the guy, like, deleted his account, or, no, he got suspended because he, uh, he said a forbidden word, I don't know what he said, but I uh, hope it wasn't Memphis, but... <laughs> Do you remember that? That was crazy. No, I don't, but... There's a, a whole crazy thing on Twitter with, with Patty, but yeah, he... Uh, oh, yeah. He kept in, insu- insulting Georgians and calling them fake Russians and saying, oh, no wonder the Russians terrorize you and uh, a whole bunch of yeah. stupid, bad trash talk because, okay, the Russians oppress the Georgians and then sometimes there are terrorists from Georgia that terrorize the russians so if you're talking if you're using the word terrorism then you're doing it wrong but i I guess technically he's right but i don't know what it's also not the kind of thing you bring up in this kind of context yeah what are you doing (laughs) not here to argue technicalities um so he is an idiot and we're giving elia toporia yeah let him fight toporia i think and uh you just have it like a week before toporia's next fight (laughs) just as a warm-up before ryan hall i mean honestly both are double double booking (laughs) nice (laughs) double booking toporia is probably a good idea just in case because ryan hall might not make it that's also true well okay i i I have intel i don't know if i'm allowed to share it okay well that's should i uh i don't don't know the details of the intel so i can't give informed counsel well i won't divulge my sources and no one listens to this anyway but (laughs) ryan hall is obviously injured that's why he keeps pulling out of fights Clearly. And he is still injured. Hmm. So he's why just gonna fight, fight anyway. Oh. He's he's just gonna say, screw it. Uh, well, I don't think he was <laughs> gonna beat Topuri anyway. Exactly. So, I don't think it's worth the risk. Who cares? So, that is rough. Not that I like Ryan Hall, particularly, but you know you don't want fighters to be managing their careers in that way. Yeah, Ryan Hall's from, like, 20 minutes away from me, so I feel like I should like him, but I also don't at all, so... Well, if he's from Virginia, that's a reason not to like him. That's also true. <laughs> all of us virgins hate each other. <laughs> um, I guess we're kind of wrapping up here and just rambling about random stuff. Pretty but much. we recently did a commentary on some Kai Asakura fights for a Patreon request, so if you're listening on the podcast app, you probably saw that there's the Asakura thing. But yeah, listen to that, watch that rather, watch the fights on, on Patreon with us for, for only $3, and we are four, at the time of recording, four patrons away from our 200 patron goal, which will start the release of the um, top five UFC fights of all time, which is going to be good. Uh, some of them are done. One yeah. of them is done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the commentaries aren't super high effort, so we'll get those done relatively yeah, quickly. Yeah, the, the articles are the, are the thing that take way more time. The, the yeah. commentaries just need the time to record the commentary. So but. we're pretty much, if you consider that, like 60% of the way done. Yeah, but uh, we thought it would take a lot longer to yeah. get to 200, honestly. as I was trying to have everyone ready by the end of April for all their stuff, and it looks like uh, beginning of April is going to be when this happens. So, yeah, good job. Good job all around, everybody uh, subscribing on Patreon. I guess goals work, uh, enticing you in this way works, and I suppose we also released a lot of Patreon content to help promote that. So after this, we'll think of something else, and maybe you can help us think of what our next goal can be and something that will entice more people to subscribe. Um, 
Because that's uh, that's definitely helping building the site. We yeah, I mean these long series are how we started. So that's true. It's just there's so much effort. That's why we don't do them yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we need getting. You ahead. can't just pay us like a little bit. You need to give us like several thousand dollars to do this. Yeah, I just I need to motivate these guys. They're all lazy bums, and yeah. uh, money money talks. So if you want them to be making good content, you need to allow me to throw money at them. Uh, unless you just want me to go out of pocket and, and ruin myself, in which case, fine. We would not accept it. it. We need your so money, not his. It's uh, it's up to you guys to prevent me from ruining my life by giving my staff all my money. <laughs> There's your incentive. That's our next goal, is, is to help Ed not go into poverty. <laughs> cool. Uh, do you have anything else to, to talk about? Uh, I don't believe so. Pretty much all the fights are uh, a week from now, so... That was supposed to be Darren Till and Marvin Vittori. Now it is Marvin Vittori versus someone who might be Kevin Holland. Um, the real interesting fight on that is Sadiq Yusuf and Arnold Allen. So we'll go into that next week. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, we can end it whenever, I guess. Well, there was one... Oh, isn't uh, Gamrot fighting? Uh, Gamrot Holtzman, I believe, yeah. I have seen Scott Holtzman fight... A bunch of times. I think I've seen all of his fights. I don't remember a thing about him. Uh, I remember the Miller fight. He did a lot of like these southpaw counters, uh, where he'd like hop out an angle and kill him with a straight, or just backstep and kill him with a straight, something like that. Which is why I was kind of worried in the Daryush fight. But then uh, Benny just did Benny things and took him out. Uh, that's pretty much all I know. He's very strong. Um, I think that's the same way he killed Alan Patrick too, angled off and killed him through the open side, but as an orthodox, which is weird because it's like. Woodley syndrome, where you only worked against southpaws, so I don't know. Maybe I would like him if he was Brazilian. I mean, you should like everyone if they're Brazilian, right? Yeah, root for all Brazilians. <laughs> but yeah, that's Brazil, also a cool podcast. Fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matthews Gamrot is also pretty cool. He narrowly lost to uh, Kutatelazi, who we mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, there's some fun fights next week. Uh, not much more than that I believe but still more worth talking about than uh, a lot of the stuff we've talked about so far in this episode so this was a good episode I think it was uh, it was really messy I was slurring my speech uh, in honor of Stipe <laughs> yeah, just it, was a, it was a good time <laughs> yeah um, but I think that's about all we have subscribe to the Patreon if you haven't already um, go check out the number of sponsors we have on the bottom of the site. Visit the site. That's something that we don't mention enough. Uh, we, we do, in fact, have a site. So go visit oh, that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's uh, about it. So, uh, yeah, 